Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Liberty Report. With us today is Chris Rosini, our co-host. Chris, welcome to the program. Great to be with you, Dr. Paul. Good. Uh, well, we're going to talk a little bit about finances and the federal deficit and too much spending and all that that means to the world and to us and, and to uh, the economy of every individual. And there's a lot of panic going on. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? The government's going to close down. But, you know, I sort of, once everybody's concentrating on one issue, then I think something else is going on. <laughs> you know, the whole thing is, is that there is a lot of talk about, a, about the, 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 the deficit and how is it going to be paid? Can we extend the government? And, of course, uh, that's the way some of the things go on with COVID, you know. Uh, get people scared, like frighten them. And then you have to do something. Then there's panic, and everybody gives up on what they're supposed to do is think things through. And I think a lot of that's going on with, with this deficit. First off, Chris, you know, there's a lot of us would say, you know, would it really be a total tragedy if the federal government closed down and quit spending money for a while? <laughs> that might not be so bad. But, you know, even, uh, e even in times of uh, the governments when they close down, there's so much that's automatic. And uh, if Congress can't meet for some reason, there's executive orders, there's a Federal Reserve. So government doesn't exist like most people pretend. And I think that's the way it is with this uh, deficit. You know, you know they say, you know, uh, we're going to end it tonight. We have to pay them bills. We'll have to close down government. That was on the uh, 30th of uh, September. Guess what? About two hours before the deficit was due, uh, they, they passed a bill, a continuing resolution. Oh, we'll change the date that we have to uh, pay the bills and that we have to have the budget passed. And so they stretched it out for another couple of weeks. But uh, I, I think they uh, use it as a tool to frighten people and trying to get people to vote for things that they really don't want, and that's what's going on. It's interesting, I think, to find out what's going on. It's, it's not a big debate between Republicans and Democrats right now. It's be between and among Democrats, some who are modest and reasonable people, and then there are some that are about socialists, and they think, they think that there, is, there are no limits. And I think the most fascinating thing is the one reason uh, why they, they should be a little calmer because Pelosi, Pelosi explained to, it, uh, to, to everybody why they shouldn't be worrying about this. This is not a big deal. And this is what she says to try to calm people down. Uh, it's not about a dollar amount, uh, Pelosi said. The dollar amount, as the president said, is zero. Uh, this, this bill will be paid for. And, but she never explains how it's paid for. Uh, I think I know how they pay for most of it, and that is through a printing press. And uh, everybody said there's going to be a default, default. And my argument is the default's been going on for a long time. It's done on purpose. It's done when they established the Federal Reserve System, and it's continuous, but it's accelerating. And it periodically had the undermining of a system where they pretended they paid the bills. But now there's really no, no pretense. So there's a lot of defaulting that's going on, and it will continue. Uh, but it's different than they say. They, they claim defaulting is when the government checks stop coming. 
Well, we had a crisis with COVID. A lot of people, uh, the, by government action, were thrown out on the streets and they had to have uh, money for food and, and just to have living expenses. The helicopters were called and the money came down. Nobody talked about it. Republicans and Democrats just poured it out. So there was, there was no, uh, no, no default at, at all. And there's not, there's not going to be a default in what they claim, that the government won't pay the bills. Chris, I've said it a hundred times. You don't need to even listen to me again because I've said it so much. The default will be through the depreciation and devaluation of the money. The checks will always come. And all of a sudden, the checks won't have the same value. And the people will interpret it as, oh, the prices are rising. So what we need is more money. Print more money faster. So I'd, I'd like to try our best today, Chris, to sort this out so uh, people don't get locked in on this default that might come tomorrow. They postponed it now for a week or two, but they still they have to pass the budget. And, and if they don't do that, the checks will stop. Well, they ought to quit worrying. The checks are not going to stop. They will always send the checks on. But what they can't control, as long as they follow that, they will never be able to control the value of the currency that they pass out and pretending that it's sending them something of real value. Yes, very good, Dr. Paul. And uh, you're absolutely correct. We are going through a continuous default. We're used to it being, you know, one big event, and ultimately it could end up as one big event, but it's a continuous default, and I'll try to paint a picture uh, for our viewers. Let's say, and I wouldn't recommend doing this, that you loan the government $5, and after a certain amount of time, you get back $5.25. You know, the 25 cents is interest. <clears throat> so you have it in your hands, $5.25. Everything looks good, right? It's not good. Because during that time, the Fed has been printing and printing and printing, and that $5.25 that you have back is worth $4 in the money that you loaned them back when you loaned it to them. So they defaulted on you for, a, for a, not the whole thing, they didn't default on all of it, but $1.25 of it. And this is how it works. Now take this and uh, turn it into a big scale when countries and institutions loan billions and trillions of dollars to our government, which is a big mystery to me why they would ever do it. Think of the amount of money that they're being taken a ride for. It's not a dollar twenty-five. So I don't know why anybody would ever loan the U.S. government money, but to each his own. The point is, they are continuously defaulting on the money that they're paying back. You know, and what you're describing there is why we don't have a free market system because we don't have free markets and sound currency. And uh, capital is supposed to come from earnings, the excess of earnings that you don't need to live on. And then you either reinvest it or you loan it to somebody. That doesn't happen at all because there's nothing left over. Everything is used for consumption. And they, they, they keep saying, well, where's the capital coming from? Well, it comes out of a printing press, which is not real capital, but it acts as capital because it dilutes the capital that does exist. And uh, that means, you know, the value of the dollar there's a default going on and it can go on for a while the richer a country is the longer that uh, facade can can operate you know and that's this pretense of wealth but eventually the wealth is consumed and I think that's what we're witnessing now is the consumption of the wealth that we had stored up over many many decades because we've had uh, even though we've never had a perfect free market system
best and we've had you know probably one of the best ever and we had a gigantic economy and we still have wealth left in the country but everything we're doing now is devaluing that but the worst part is is destroying the productivity of it to try to replace that capital as uh, as being used the other the other things we've been hearing constantly chris has been we can't let this happen we can't this is a we this would be the first time that the United States government has has failed, you know, has reneged and and have missed missed their payments, and uh, which is not true. We've been we've been uh, defaulting all along, and you already mentioned this. It's a continuous thing, but more so in these recent uh, in these recent years and decades where it's accelerated. But just think about how this country was born. It was born in debt and default, and, and that's why we ended up. One thing that was left of our first currency is this cliche: it's not worth a continental because we had runaway inflation and they had to start all over again. But you can give them a pass on that. They were fighting a serious war against the tyrants, and uh, but the principle was there. They they printed too much, so they knew something about it. It was sent a lesson to the founders, and they tried to prevent that from happening by putting it into the Constitution that the governments couldn't do this. You can't. You only could use gold and silver as legal tender. Now it's just too bad they didn't listen to Jefferson because he wanted to put into the Constitution that the federal government couldn't borrow money. He lost that battle, and uh, he's, and he lived to see the ridiculous danger of saying they can endlessly, uh, bar, uh, you know, spend, run up deficit, and then create a monetary system where they could endlessly create money, and that's why we're in this mess. But you know, it wasn't just with the Continental Dollar. During the Civil War, we had the greenbacks. The gold standard was suspended from 1961 to 1979, and uh, they printed crazy, and they had trouble, and they realized, "Wow, this is bad. We have to uh, quit that. You know, defaulting on our debt like that because that was an announcement in a way of a bankruptcy." So they went back on the gold standard in '79. Uh, but the, the 20th century has not uh, uh, done anything more but accelerate this whole principle in a sinister manner because they sneak up on you. They just don't have an announcement and they shift from a gold standard to something else. Because, uh, you know, in 1933 was a serious thing. The Fed had already created this monster of a depression. And uh, as, soon as, uh, as soon as Roosevelt got in office, First thing he did, he closed the banks and stole the gold. It changed the price of gold, gold to, or the ratio, I don't want to call it a price, the ratio of gold to dollars, and it went from $20 to $35, which gave them a lot of room for, uh, you know, currency inflation as the years went on, which they, which they did. And after World War II, they, they put that system in place because we were still wealthy and printing money and nobody was paying any attention except for a few. So we went in international. We were able to build up this, you know, international currency and uh, had, had the reserve currency of the world in 1944 and the dollar was as good as gold and so everybody was supposed to you know use the dollar as a reserve and that's worked pretty well it was very beneficial to the united states and but it was it was artificial and built bubbles and currency transactions were deeply flawed so even uh, henry hazlitt at the time that was passed in 40 
for, he said it can't work, can't work, and he was right, in 1971 it collapsed, that's another bankruptcy we had, the Roosevelt thing of taking in the gold, that's a bankruptcy, we defaulted then, in 1971 we defaulted with all the foreigners, because in order to keep order, we had to promise foreigners, if they had Federal Reserve notes, they could cash in at $35 an ounce. Well, soon the gold started disappearing because the market said gold was worth a lot more. And so what, what did we do? We defaulted. We told the, anybody that held, held Federal Reserve notes around the world, uh, we just defaulted on. You'd think that would cause a lot of trouble. It caused a lot of trouble, but it wasn't the end of the system we had because the 70s were rough, but we went back once again. So this is not, not the first time that we've been involved. And it's constantly happening. And right now, that argument that's going on in Washington is a reflection of this, and they will try to do the gimmicks, but uh, the gimmicks won't work forever because uh, they're not going to be able to accept the solution. There is a solution. It's not complex. It just has something to do with, you know, the politicians and the people would have to agree, you know, we have to uh, live a little bit more conservative. We should live within our means and we should cut spending. The odds of that happening, I put them at zero. And that's why this is going to continue and people won't wake up until the crisis gets much worse, which is something we've always tried to prevent because uh, it's not a complex issue. It's just a political pressure issue because, uh, you you know, right now, what what is the answer? Nancy Nancy Pelosi gives us the answer. Uh, Oh, $3.5 trillion. Yeah, but we don't, it's already paid for. And, And people... People say, oh, okay, Marxism, they love this. That's what they, they do. It's the silliest thing in the world. And then people wonder why we have trouble. And then they, they avoid talking about what we're talking about. We're, they, they're going to talk about, you know, the, the fighting going on, which is, which is a neat little fight in the Democratic Party and the conflict between Republicans and Democrats. But believe me, what we're facing now is very, very bipartisan, and uh, I don't think the bipartisan answer uh, returning to a little bit of sanity is likely to happen very soon. It will not, Dr. Paul. The problem was started in 1913 with the mm-hmm. founding of the Federal Reserve, and it has grown over 100 years to a rabid addiction to printing money, which is why that Fed should not have been created in the first place. And it would be naive to think that some superhero is going to come in and fix things up. That will not happen. It will most likely be what Dr. Paul is predicting. It will self-destruct. Because over that 100 years, we've had now generations of people growing up, being taught, and believing that this is normal and this is perpetual. And <clears throat> you can print trillions or hundreds of billions or whatever you want, and it's really no problem. And if you dare to point out the truth and that is that it is a problem, well, you're the problem for pointing out the truth. uh, But the problem for them is that every time that they do this bailouts and stimulus, you create more people that demand that you keep doing it. Uh, Once you start with the handouts, once you start with the bailouts, you can't stop because it's politically bad. No politician is going to be the one to say, hey, hold on, stop. They'll be voted out. So you have to keep all the handouts going that you've already promised, all the bailouts going, plus all the new demands that are going to be placed on you. So you're burying yourself constantly. 
And, you know, a part of you may think, oh, well, someday, you know, they can't be this stupid. Someday they'll stop this. Someday they'll stop printing the money. Really? Will they? When there is rabid pressure from every single angle not to stop? It's very unlikely, but you never know. So what is likely is what Dr. Paul has been saying, you know, to end the Fed, the end will, the Fed will end itself. The system will have to self-destruct. Yeah. You know, people are, are wondering how they can, you know, get these rules changed and get them passed to change these dates, uh, because that's just to have an appearance like they're following the rules. And, uh, and so they're trying to do this. Now, there has been some suggestions on that. Uh, Yellen uh, suggests, why don't you just change the rules and eliminate the principle of uh, debt limit? Uh, well, that would be okay as long as you eliminate the uh, privilege of uh, or, or the theft of and stealing of the privilege of printing money at will for the politician. But uh, no, she just just ignored the whole thing. Uh, and others, including the current in the current administration, they said this is just too political. We shouldn't do this. So we should allow the president, <laughs> along with a few people in the treasury and whatnot, to have the authority. To, send, to issue an executive order and eliminate that part of the uh, Constitution. And, and that doesn't phase them because they, they do that all the time. They're usually not quite this blunt, but, you know, with the issue of war, I mean, I was told, don't ever bring that subject up again about declaring war. We don't even, we don't even look at that part of the Constitution anymore, and they don't look at the part of the Constitution about the, about the money issue. So those, those are the things they could do. Now, so what about the establishment, you know, the banking system? And we heard from one of the most well-known uh, deep state politicians a banker who's very, very wealthy, uh, um, more than one billion dollars, a couple billion dollars worth, and that's Jamie Dimon. And uh, he, he is, you know, he claims he's worried, but I, I don't think he's really worried, but he wants to make sure that we dot the T's and crosses the, you know, dot the I's and crosses the T's and go ahead and pretend that we're following the rules because he says, if you don't do this and get this straight and pass this and, and make it look like we're doing something, this is going to be catastrophic. Well, he's probably right. It's, it's very likely to be catastrophic one way or the other just because of what we've been talking about because there will be a climactic end to this because of all the maldistribution and all, and, and, and all the uh, bad mistakes to the bubbles that have already formed. So that, that, is, that will come. And uh, yeah, but, but uh, 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 you know, Diamond was out in the news this week talking about it, trying to scare people. Once again, build up the fear to get people to join. And, uh, and you know, and, and can you expect, you know, the crop of young people coming out of the economic departments of our current universities? No, unless they've been exposed to Austrian economics and the Mises Institute, they're going to say, that sounds like a pretty reasonable idea. It is paid for. You know, we'll just, you know, pr print the money. The one thing people don't remember, and I think this is important if we ever decide to uh, straighten this thing out, they, uh, they say, well, we're spending uh, billions and billions of dollars, military industrial complex or whatever it is, and, and there, there's a lot of debt. How are we going to collect the money? And uh, in a way, Pelosi is saying, well, you don't have to pay for this. They're saying, well, where is it? When the money is spent, it's already a tax. 
and using tax in a slightly different definition, it's a tax on the system because if you run up a debt, it's a, it's a tax. But it will encourage uh, taxes to go up like the Democrats want to do right now, income tax or whatever, uh, which there'll be a limit to. And then there's also other, other taxes can go up. The inflation tax can go up. So if you print money and prices go up, that's a tax. That's not uh, when the prices go up. If they concentrate on that, then they'll find somebody to blame. Oh, labor unions or business profits or this war or whatever. And they will not look at the real substance of it and realize that the, that the problem was the suspending. And uh, I think the best analogy anybody can make on trying to understand this is uh, collectively in a society like ours, you can you can have uh, uh, you, you you know you can have people become addicted, dependent on it. Because if you did what I would like to see done, it would not be smooth sailing. Uh, it's been done before. Uh, it's doable, but it's not going to happen because you have to pay the prices, and you do have to get rid of the bad debt. Because right now there's a lot of bad debt out there, and uh, you know uh, Diamond happens to be one that uh, is in the woke uh, organization or the group because he he sees and knows that they have to deal with the malinvestment and the maldistribution of wealth. The uh, the rich get rich and the poor are getting poor, and they see that, and that is really the big social problems that we that we face right right now. So that's why you get people like Diamond and. Uh, Larry Fink and other very, very wealthy people who are like this with the Federal Reserve, and they'll he actually, the businessman becomes the enforcer of the rules that they think are going to help, and that's why you have social media and other governments just saying, oh, okay, we'll do that, we'll enforce that, whatever you tell us to do. Then the government says, oh, we, we're not against, we're for freedom of speech, and we want to have the free market, but we'll have the companies do our bidding, we'll tell them what they have to do. So uh, it's, it's not complex, and if you have to define what it is, it's liberty. It's all about liberty. Let people, um, you know, take care of things. And the simple explanation for that is everything ought to be voluntary if there's no violence, nobody committing violence. Why, why should that be complicated, especially if the, if the outcome for this is uh, going to be, uh, you know, peace and prosperity, which I sincerely believe. So uh, we have to keep telling people that there are answers because they're going to be a greater need as time goes on. And right now, this is evolving. As, as, and yes, there's a major discussion going on, uh, you know, currently, even as we speak, uh, you know, with the deficit, which is symbolic of all that we're having. But believe me, they're not talking about a solution. They're talking about how to patch it up and, and keep it together. But it, it will end, just like people talked for decades why Bretton Woods wouldn't, uh, couldn't work. And finally, it collapsed and ushered in this new age of fiat money. So it's, uh, it, it's something that, to me, it's not that difficult. It's just having the will and the people confidence and, and the people finally getting to the point where they have responsibility for themselves. And we ought to have small government with honesty. And I think we'd all be a lot better off. Absolutely, Dr. Paul, I will finish up. That's the big lesson that we should all be learning um, now is personal responsibility, get your house in order, because it really is on you, on me, on each of us individually. 
because you can't go with the attitude, ah, oh, default won't happen here. The government will always pay my bills, my medical bills, will always send me my checks in the mail. Well, look at these last few years. Did you ever think that what is, is happening even today would ever happen? I know I didn't. I never anticipated a medical tyranny where government is trying to inject everyone, whether they want it or not. That was, I never anticipated anything like that. And that also shows that America, you know, the landmass of America is nothing special as landmass per se. There is nothing special about American people as people per se. We're just like everyone else in the world. What was special, what really separated America was the ideas of individual liberty, of freedom of choice. That is what separated America from any country to ever exist prior to us. And that we uh, can clearly see is under relentless attack. So if you get rid of those ideas of individual liberty and choice, we'll go down the drain just like anybody else. There is nothing special about us to prevent that because we operate under the same economic laws, the same natural laws as anybody across the world. That's why it's important, extremely important to keep the ideas of liberty alive, each of us in our own circles. You know, there's a lot of symbolism in that Statue of Liberty, of her, her holding up that torch. That torch has to be held up by people that are alive at the moment. So if that means you, it may mean that you have to be different than the people around you, than the people in the circle, your circle of influence. That's normal, that's natural in this kind of environment for you to be different. So be different because America, and more importantly, freedom, really does depend on it. Very good, Chris, that's excellent. You know, uh, I believe there will be a dramatic change in what we have, and there will be an announcement, uh, you, you know, by the market that things have to change. And it's dangerous because we don't know which way it's going to go. Uh, are they going to accept the, the uh, group of Marxists already in our Congress and go their way right now? They get tremendous support from the media and support by, you know, universities and just on and on. So on the surface, it looks like they, uh, that, we're, that we're locked in step and we're going to go in that direction. And uh, I don't think we know that. And uh, the fact that I work at trying to change that plan of theirs uh, means that I, I don't think it has to go that way. And one of the reasons is that, uh, you know, during the, um, during the Cold War period, uh, uh, I was very much aware and became more aware of, of international politics, especially when I got a draft notice in 1962 in the midst of the Vietnam War and the midst of the Cuban crisis and, uh, and missiles, uh, potential missiles all around the world and a nuclear exchange. That was uh, pretty serious stuff. And... Uh, so things limped along, uh, you know, that was the early 60s when I was in the, in the mid-60s, I was in the service. But then there was the, uh, you know, in, in, in 1989, uh, all of a sudden, the Soviet system, this Soviet empire, just dissipated. Uh, and I thought, wonderful, wonderful. And it was wonderful because it didn't require a nuclear exchange between two countries. So it was... It worked better than I thought it could, but it still 
wasn't replaced with a more, well, I still would argue better than the Soviet system, but uh, there wasn't standing in wait for, you know, a libertarian society. But that's what we're facing right now. I don't think the libertarian society is sitting there as well, but I think it's available more so than before, and more people have to be introduced to it because we, we don't know which way they'll go. And uh, I, was, I was disappointed with the Soviet system uh, that the Russians and others didn't go much further, even to the uh, less interventionist society. But uh, I think that we have to realize that there, there will be a choice made. That's why I still believe it's, uh, it's ideological. It's getting people to understand, especially the young people, the new generation has to know what kind of a system they want. They have to not worry about, you know, well, how many, per, what percent of the population enjoy, uh, you know, uh, uh, you, you know, uh, you know, believe in us and, and, you know, join us in this struggle. The numbers are good and they're important, but it's the number and the determination of that smaller group of number who becomes the spokesman for certain issues. And I like to see what happens and have been seeing what's happening with COVID. When the meetings occur and communities have finally had enough of the nonsense we've been hearing, and all of a sudden somebody steps forward and tells it as it is, and the many people who have were feeling this, you know, all of a sudden they, they were cheering them on. So, yes, the people have to be led, but we still have to influence a lot of people to say that's the system that we want. So we need the spokesman. And uh, Chris was making a point of that. We need people to, to, to know and understand and do the leadership because governments, I, I've come to believe or, uh, or agree with the people who always argue, the government you have has to be endorsed by the, by the people or it wouldn't exist. And I thought, well, that's not true. People didn't, uh, you know, they, they didn't like Adolf Hitler and, and uh, uh, you, you know, the radical uh, Marxism and all this. But, but at the beginning, they do. Uh, see, when Hitler went into power, he was elected. In, in, theoretically speaking, people people liked it because things were so bad, uh, and and uh, that that to to me shows at least at the beginning. And then it lasts longer than it should. But eventually, the people have to say enough is enough. Matter of fact, that's what I'm sensing right now with this COVID and uh, and the lockdowns on there because more and more people are saying, you know, I, I'm with you. It's dangerous. We got to take care of ourselves. We got to listen and, and sort it out. But the approach, this authoritarian approach instead of voluntary approach is not working and it's, it's very destructive. It's undermining our liberties and uh, we have to stand up and say enough is enough. What we want, we want our freedom back. I want to thank everybody for tuning in today to the Liberty Report. Please come back soon.